The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, BronxPinstripes.com proudly brings to you the most exciting Yankees podcast in the world, George's Box. Welcome back to George's Box. I'm JJ. I'm Nick. And it's a good day to be a Yankee fan. We are we're back. We're uh, we, we've taken a break. We, we've separated from the one that hurt us. We're ready to do a weekend getaway. We're not ready to tell our parents we're talking again. But, you know, we're sneaking around making little reservations and whatnot. If we're being totally honest with everyone, we just recorded four minutes where uh, my microphone wasn't plugged in. So it was bad audio. And now we're doing it again. That was a joke that was funnier the first time to you, Nick. It was. Look, and I was just debating for the last 30 seconds. Like, are we going to have the same conversation that we just had? But but why not? Like I said, the snow's melting. Winter is ending. Happy New Year. We're coming back into it. I am so fired up. And again, like I said four minutes ago, the most anticipated Yankee season since 2018. Since last year. <laughs> All right. We got that out of the way today. We are going to be look, there's a lot to get to all year. We are going to talk about different lineup configurations, predictions, the rest of the AL East. There's the schedule. There's a lot to get into over these next six weeks before actual baseball. But today is going to be dedicated to recapping the offseason moves. Like I was saying, we don't get together every week during the offseason. I can't come on here and late January and talk about somebody said this, somebody had a workout here, somebody took a shit here. It's just not how we roll. We come back, we do it all today. We are going to recap the entire offseason. We're going to start with the move that we've already talked about. We had a podcast about, but it's fun as fuck. So let's talk about it again. The Yankees acquired Juan Soto, outfielder from the San Diego Padres, in exchange for King Thorpe Brito, Vasquez Higashioka, I give it an A plus Jack, your thoughts. I, I love it. Uh, we were done with Higgy, you know, obviously we're, we're moving on in the backup position. Um, King was never going to be what we wanted him to be. He had spurts that got him some value for us to get a one year rental on Soto. I mean, Juan Soto is a generational talent. Um, he's maybe the best player in baseball, most upside of any player in baseball. Um, you know, and I know Otani, Otani's right there as well, but you don't know kind of what's going to happen with him injury wise. And I don't like him because I'm just learning more and more of what a weirdo he is. Yeah. But, you know, I, I do see a lot of people upset when Boone says, like, we've got him for a year. We're focused on the year. Or Cashman says that, you know, like, how could we be giving up? We're not giving up on him. There is just no situation where Juan Soto signs an extension during the season. It's just not going to happen. No matter what number you throw out there, if you go, we'll give them 10 years, 600 million, Scott Boris goes, great, that's the floor. That's with one team in a closed market. It would cost so much money to buy his freedom, to buy his ability to flirt, uh, that we're going to have him for one year. Hopefully he, ha- he continues to have great seasons like he always has. He's got the short porch in right field. He can mash, and if he drives up his value and it's too much for us, but we win the World Series, who gives a shit? 
Couldn't agree more. And they did give up. They did give up a decent haul of arms. I'm not going to pretend like King and Brito and Vasquez is nothing. But but what was the other option? Cody Bellinger still out here. I, I don't know who the and look, Otani was never coming here. So just forget him. There was no plan B, in my opinion. The drop off from Juan Soto to Cody Bellinger is is enormous. You had to go get him. Of course, they gave up a lot. You do that. A hundred times out of a hundred, especially considering a the dimensions of the stadium and the lack of balance in the lineup, but b just how awful the lineup was last year. They really had no choice. Yeah, I mean, we talk all the time about left, right, left, right. We talk about athleticism, you know, all the things that kind of lack from these rosters that we've been putting out there. And here's, I'm a very binary person. You're in the playoffs. You're out of the playoffs. You can't be more out of the playoffs than out of the playoffs. And this is a move that we I feel confident that we are back in the playoffs at a minimum. But if we didn't get Soto, there wasn't another move out there that was going to make sense because if Soto ends up only being one year, yeah, that that in theory sucks. But it's not eight years of Bellinger. Like we're not on the hook for a bad contract yet, which gives us flexibility, which is like the number one thing I talk about. 100%. And it was just a weird offseason in terms of who was available. You had the two Japanese studs, right, as free agents, Yamamoto and Otani. You had Soto on the trade market. And then after that, it was like, eh, eh. It wasn't one of those Harper Machado offseasons or when there was Turner and Bogarts and Correa, like that offseason a couple of years ago. It was pretty slim pickings, and he was such an obvious fit. I mean, this guy is a modern-day Ted Williams. He's going to be hitting in front of Aaron Judge. We'll talk about the lineup in a future episode. And and getting him in a walk year with the short porch, I, I think the sky's the limit. He's got a career 420, 421 OBP. He's going to get on base a lot, and he's going to enhance the lineup. Next move, we acquired Alex Verdugo, a rare, rare trade with the Red Sox for Greg Wiesert, Richard Fitz, and Nick Justice. I give this an A just because of how shitty left field was last year. I mean, you think about we had IKF out there, Oswaldo Cabrera. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're not trashing IKF. (laughs) Look up his numbers as a left fielder and then get back. The point is left field was a disaster, man. Like it was, it's been awful for what, three years since we've had a save for Benintendi for three weeks. We haven't really even had a real body out there. I think if he can give you average production on a walk year, that's a huge win. I don't know if I mentioned this on another podcast. I saw a tweet that a girl like took a screenshot of like a Tinder message someone got. She's a very pretty girl. And someone said, are you IKF? Because I want you in every position. It's like my favorite tweet I've ever seen. (laughs) Um, No, I like the Verdugo move. One, I like making a man shave. I like just, you know, I, I like establishing that dominance over someone. And yet he's better than what we've had. He's a career 280 hitter. He's in a walk year. Um, I think, you know, some of the other, you know, I haven't looked it up, but I would imagine the past couple years in Boston, he's hitting pretty like high up in that lineup. There's a lot of pressure on him in that lineup, far less pressure in this lineup for him. He's going to be a seven, eight hitter, you know, and that gives us while getting better defense, a little pressure off the idea of like, how much is Stanton going to get out there? And I know we're going to talk about Stanton in a little bit, but also another everyday lefty. So we've got Soto, we've got Rizzo, we've got Verdugo, pretty much everyday lefties in the lineup, uh, which is a dramatic change from anything we've had in the past. Oh, it's huge. And I love the idea of just having all these dudes on walk years, uh, you know, talk about Soto, talk about Torres, talk about Verdugo. Clay Holmes is in a walk year. Look, you saw Judge in his walk year with the 62 home runs. We saw A-Rod going into an opt out, hit 57 home runs or whatever that was like. Clearly, the walk year activates a different gear in most of these players. And to have a bunch of pissed off guys that are trying to get a contract that can only help the team. Pissed off left handed guys. And yeah, because yeah. then also you. Think of the days when Austin Wells was behind the plate. That's four lefties. No, it's a, it's a great point. And, and I do like, it's just cool to steal guys from the Red Sox. Like, I, it, like we got them for nothing. We got them for free. I'd, I've heard of Weissert. I never heard of the other two guys that we gave up, candidly. Yeah, I, never I, heard I, of think it was a, I think it was an easy deal. I know, I think there was talk of them wanting Glaber at one point where, like, you don't want to send Glaber to the Red Sox because he'll hit 50 home runs, you know, against us alone. But yeah, no, I mean, Verdugo, he's got a, um, 
you know, a pass of being a pain in the ass against us. It'd be nice to to see that in pinstripes. Um, he seems excited to be here. You know, we talked about like when we got Donaldson a couple of years ago, everyone knew he didn't want to be here. He yes. hated the Yankees. He didn't want to be here. Verdugo's happy to be here. So like, let's get him out there in left field. Uh, and now we have like, we have a real out. We're going to have three major league outfielders in the outfield. And we have a Martian that's going to come back at some point. That's going to be fun. And and when you think about the guys they had in the outfield, I mean, we had Franchi, Cordero and Bowers and Calhoun and these quad a got these quad a losers out there. Like you said, we have real guys. It's going to be so much more fun. And he knows the AL East, right? He knows the, the Fenway, the stupid monster wall knows how to play in the Toronto dome. He's been at the trop Yankee stadium. He, he doesn't need to learn, learn his way around. He already knows the deal. So I think, you know, clutch player and he'll fit in well. Yeah, I agree. Great move. So the next one was not a move, but it's a non move. They missed on Yoshinobu Yamamoto. They did offer him $300 million over 10 years. It was the highest AAV that he was offered, $30 million a year. He did go to the Dodgers for three twenty-five over 12. The consensus around the industry is that he just always wanted to be a Dodger and was using the Yankees and the Mets as leverage. I guess, what did you think of the, of the offer? Did, like, do you think they, quote-unquote, put their best foot forward in trying to get this guy? You offer anyone $300 million for 10 years, you put your best foot forward. For a guy who's never played in the major leagues, he has fantastic numbers in Japan. Japan is not the major leagues. Nobody goes, nobody is like, you know what? I'm not going to take a major league deal to go play in Japan. People go to Japan instead of maybe a minor league deal. But, you know, and again, I had said when we talked about the offseason that I always have concerns with Japanese pitchers adjusting from pitching once a week to having to pitch every five days. We saw it with Tanaka. You saw it, you know, with Hideo Nomo years ago. We saw it with the Toad. You've seen it with, uh, you know, <laughs> I forget who the guy who the Red Sox got with the gyro ball. Daisuke. Daisuke. Yeah. Like you see these issues come up um, and, you know, look at Otani. He hasn't been able to consistently pitch every five days ever. And obviously – Two sides to him, amazing player. I'm not trying to like discount him, but if you're looking at just that side, it really hasn't worked at the $30 million a year level in the major leagues. No, it, it really hasn't. And I do think like they made a hell of an offer. Like I'm seeing a lot of, oh, they, you know, the Yankees cheaped out again, or they didn't, they didn't go the extra mile. Like they offered the guy, like you said, $300 million. They offered him the highest rate per year and they offered an earlier opt out. I did think the offer was really competitive and I I do understand not wanting to go above Cole for a guy that like you said has never has never pitched here. Did I want him? Of course. I would have loved to have him be the number 2 behind Cole, but it, it's tough to blame them for not wanting to go to 325. And there's no guarantee that even if they went to 325 that he wouldn't have just went right back to the Dodgers. I don't think he wanted to be a Yankee deep down. No, I, I think he he you know he wanted to be a Dodger because you know for some reason Japanese players like to play on the West Coast as if they're just going to pop home for the weekend as we've <laughs> yeah. seen from as we've seen from Taylor Swift it is a <laughs> bit of a you know a, a bit of a journey and you know I think he wanted to play with Otani and Otani never wanted to play in New York would never even take a meeting with us and you know and then he got his you know his fucked up deal. Yeah, which is a whole whole nother issue. And you're right. Otani's a complete, complete weirdo. Like there was one article where it's like he doesn't do wind. He doesn't do rain. He doesn't do humidity. It's like, well, what happens when you get to the playoffs and it's late October and you have to play in New York or you have to play in Boston or Chicago? It's not not everywhere is, is SoCal, buddy. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But like apparently he doesn't care, you know, he's and. Once he got seven hundred million coming his way, guaranteed. Who gives a? F- I'd lay out some weirdo rules too. <laughs> yeah. So, in missing on Yamamoto, they pivoted to a very polarizing figure, maybe the most polarizing figure in Yankees universe. Marcus Stroman, two years, thirty-six million. I'll let you. I'll let you go first with what you thought of this one. I like it. I, I like the move. Everyone's what's everyone's issue with Stroman when he was on other teams. He said bad things about us. Good. Good. I want now he wears my laundry that I cheer for. So he's going to say bad things about the other laundry. If he wanted to criticize my laundry while he didn't wear it. Good. 
show some competitive spirit. Here's the thing. He's a three, nine, five ERA for his career. He's been in the majors for nine years. Um, you know, early on in his career, he had the ACL thing where like he came back for the playoffs showed like some guttiness in a time where, you know, he really didn't have to. Um, and then even last year, when you look at his numbers, like he went out and he had some injury problems, but he had a, a three, nine, five ERA. He had a, three, five ERA the year before, again, dealing with some injuries, but injuries aren't new to us. He's a local guy. He's close to home. I don't know if that keeps his head on straight or not. At the same time, you know, he is, uh, you know, he's a, about to be like a 33 year old man. So he's not a kid. He's not gonna be dicking around with his friends on long Island too much. Um, and listen, I, I just, I need a guy who's going to go out and give me 27 starts like he did last year. I'd love to get 30 out of it. Keep your ERA under four. Don't hit your wife. That's it. Just don't hit any women. Sub four ERA. I'm not. He does gonna... add some juice too. Yeah, he's a fiery guy. Here's the thing: the bench is clear. He's going to be in there. You know, and I know this isn't the UFC, but like, I feel like he gives a fuck. And you know, in Toronto, they you know they went for it at times and it didn't work out. He didn't really have much success, you know, with with the Mets, like as a team in Chicago, you know, they weren't competitive. He's on the big stage. He's got two years to prove himself to get the rest of like these two years determine the rest of his career. Oh, definitely. And he's been working really hard to endear himself to the fan base. And I, I'm not stupid. I know he's pandering a little bit like he's showing up in like a 1996 World Series hoodie to spring training or, or whatever, talking about how this was always his destiny. Like, good pander to me. I'm not. No, I'm, he's not, I'm not above that. He's gone through like he blocked a lot of Yankees fans over the years and he's gone through like manually unblocking people. And, you know, he wanted to be a Yankee years ago. Like he talked shit to the Yankees. Because the Yankees did not sign him and he wanted to. So, like, hmm. it's negging, you know, he, he's trying to stay on our radar. He did. It worked out. And I don't – and the deal, $16 million a year for two years is not a bad contract for a guy who's going to give you a sub-4 ERA and 30 starts. Exactly. And I don't know the offers that he had, but you would think that he maybe might have taken less to, to come here. I would think he had more – he had an offer for more than $40 million on the table somewhere from somebody um, the deal he signed with the Cubs, I think, was three was seventy five over three, and he had an opt out, and that's how he became a free agent. The other thing, though, ground ball pitcher at Yankee Stadium, right? We have short dimensions and right, right center. I, you know, uh, getting a true ground ball guy in here. You know, Cole is a strikeout fly ball guy. Rodon is a strikeout fly ball guy. It's nice to have a pure kind of ground ball pitcher. And on the days that he pitches, you get Peraza in there. You get your your fire infield defense, and you know, play a little run prevention. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense, you know, uh, especially with Rizzo back at first base. He's going to save you a lot of runs on on ground balls. It gives the guys a little more flexibility with their throws. And again, Stroman's made over $100 million in his career, like $99 million on the field. He's had endorsements, so he's made over $100 million. This guy never has to worry about a penny again. Come to New York. You're from New York. If you win in these two years, even if you play well, you can get another contract with New York and you've set up the rest of your life because, you know, you become more than just Homer Bush showing up at old timers day. You know, you you're he's probably going to live here as he grows older. There's a perfect setup for a local guy. Definitely. I do think he needs to get off to a quick start. Like if I had to pick one guy that needs to get off to a fast start because you think about it, right? couple bad starts. He starts posting on social media. I could see people turning on him quickly. But on the other side, if he comes out and look, it looks like he's lined up for the home opener. If he comes out seven innings, a two-run ball, and he's stomping his feet and clapping and running off the mound after a big start, everyone's going to love him. I think it could really go in either direction very quickly with him. Yeah, I mean, last year he started his season with the Cubs by going six innings, no earned, six innings, no earned, six innings, two earned, six innings, none earned, and then uh, five innings, five earned against the Dodgers, um, and then okay. six innings, two earned against Miami to, to wrap out his first month of the year. Nice. So, you know, he goes out there, he competes, um, and like, yeah, I mean, if he gets seven, great, but, you know, if he just gives us six innings of solid baseball and you're not burning up our, like, who knows what the fuck we have out there bullpen. You know, that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for an ace. 
but he's he was signed to be a three four starter. And for me, like we we've talked about this, like the team over the past few years has just had way too many boring white guys. I, I think I think we needed I think we needed some more juice. I think he's going to add a lot of fire. Like I want him shouting at the other team, you know, causing causing a stir sometimes on the field. Like let's wake up a little bit. Um, and yeah, and I like that he said. You know, he's like, I'm lined up for the home opener and I'm excited. Like, I like that he's already thinking about that and looking at the schedule. Like, the guy clearly gives a shit. I, and I'm excited for when he does get shelled in a game because he's going to. Like, same way Cole's going to get shelled in a game. And I'm excited to see all the subtle racism of like, well, if he didn't have a do-rag on, he probably would have <laughs> be a better ground ball pitcher. <laughs> the do-rag. Are they going to let him wear the, the do-rag, have they said? I did. Why wouldn't they? I don't know if that's like a Steinbrenner. I mean, it's, he's like wearing those. He's wearing something under his hat. Like you only see like the edges of it. Like maybe you know he's not gonna have a flap hanging down from the back. Yeah, and a bunch of them wore headbands. Like I remember Luke Voigt and Wade yeah, and Stan were wearing headbands. Thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So that that clears. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, the last little kind of move, non-move. So they let go. They let walk Wandy Peralta and Kenyon Middleton Two guys that I would have loved to resign Wandy specifically because just seemed like he had balls of steel. He could handle New York, <laughs> throw him in any situation and he was comfortable. They did trade for Caleb Ferguson from the Dodgers. Who's got pretty good numbers. I've never really watched him pitch, but the baseball reference page looks good. So I guess I'll ask you, how are you feeling about the bullpen overall? I mean, I think it's a big question mark because some of these guys like, you know, we watch almost every Yankee game. I don't watch almost every game. I, I never watch sports center. I'm not seeing baseball. I don't, is baseball tonight even on TV anymore? I don't think that's a thing. Anymore. So I'm not seeing as much of like around the league as I used to, especially the West coast national league. Um, obviously wanted to keep Wandy because he just looked like he didn't care what the situation was when he came out. I used to say like he always looked a little confused when he got onto the mound. I'm just like, he always like, he'd get to the mound, he'd be handed the ball and you could see it. Like I could see in his mind, of phrase like, you're probably wondering how I got here. Like one of those things. Um, so it's a question mark, you know, kind of like last year, you know, it's weird that we don't have like a premier closer. Like we just, we've grown so accustomed to it over the years. We've been spoiled with it. That'll be interesting to see if that's an area where we have to beef up, you know, cause this season, like, I say every season, it's up to the guys that are on the team today to prove that they deserve help. And the, and some people are going to have to go for that. And, you know, does a, a premier arm come available, <clears throat> you know, to a certain extent, I, I don't want him back, but like Araldus Chapman has the fucking sweetest life right now, goes to any city, gets like $10 million, hangs out for half the year, gets traded to a contender. So now he's going to be in, he's going to be in Pittsburgh. It's a nice city. You get to hang out small, gets to hang out per Manny brothers and then go somewhere else. And, you know, who else is out there that we could maybe, you know, pick up? 
I'm in a weird spot with Clay Holmes. You kind of alerted to it. Like when you look at his numbers, I, I couldn't believe it. I almost fell out of my chair. He's like eighth in war of all relief pitches the last three years or whatever. His numbers are great when you look at them in totality. But when he jogs onto the mound, I'm not like, oh, the game's over. Like I'm sweating every time. I think part of it is because he is a ground ball pitcher that isn't great at fielding his position. And he so bad at fielding his, his position. Ah. So bad. Yeah, he's like slow and, and awkward. And I don't know, like, I don't know. He had a whatever 2.2 or 2.3 ERA last year, which is great. But for, for whatever reason, like, I just don't get that. Oh, this game's over feeling when he goes in. Like, I got that with Andrew Miller. You know, I've gotten that with other guys since Mariano Chapman for a point. Um, haven't felt that way with Clay Holmes. He is in a contract year. Um, wouldn't mind some reinforcements either. But I didn't want to give Josh Hader $100 million. I thought that would have been dumb. Yeah, I didn't want to give Josh Hader $100 million. He had a 2.86 ERA last year for Holmes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 23 walks in 63 innings isn't isn't great. Um, so you you want to see him get that, you know, get that down a little bit. Um, you know, he's got a whip over one. Uh, so, you know, if we get that down closer to one or or under one, you feel a lot better. And it is, we say, when you look at the stats, you're like, ah, oh, this guy's not terrible, uh, especially for, you know, where we don't pay him a ton of money. But there is that security. He comes jogging in from the mound. It was the same as watching Glaber throw a ball from shortstop to avoid it first. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> just gave me, just gave me PTSD. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And the saves that he that he blow, like he doesn't just allow a solo home run to tie a game as his like his blown saves are five run debacles with guys yeah. going around the bases like it's a merry go round like that. I think that's that's why they're like gut wrenching. <laughs> blown saves, but you know, the Yankees are good at finding random dudes and making them into good relievers. Like I'm sure they'll find another Johnny Brito or another Randy Vasquez this year that we don't even know who that is right now. And they'll come in. Um, but I think they're always on the lookout for, for bullpen help. I wouldn't be, wouldn't shock me if they added another reliever. I want us to be like the early two thousands tigers where we'd like get to the playoffs and it'd be like, here's some fat shit who pitched two thirds of an inning this year. Does 105 miles an hour. Big dude with the rec specs. Yeah, like just give me some some fucking weirdo. I I don't know what our AAA uh, situation looks like. If I'm being honest, yeah. Uh, there's some there. Who's the guy that they like? Uh, is it Hampton? Is a guy that I hear about hear about a lot. Hampton, Beater, all, all these names. We'll we'll see them more as we get into the spring here. Other kind of notable notable topics. Giancarlo Stanton looks like he lost about I don't know twenty pounds. Did you see that picture of him? Yeah, he's looking slim. I'm jealous. I'm trying to get there. Do you think it'll do anything? So I, I understand some people are like, wow, he's, you know, he's really thin. Like, does he have the power or whatever? Obviously, whatever he has been doing has not worked. His frame, as he's getting older too, carrying that much weight, that much muscle, um, you know, probably isn't helping. So if this helps him be more athletic, a little more agile, um, you know, I don't look for Stanton to hit 50 home runs anymore. I'm looking for him to be a threat that provides protection for Judge to hit 50 home runs, who's providing protection for Soto to hit 50 home runs. Um, and, you know, that's really – and realistically, it could be, uh, you know, that he's got Rizzo in front of him. Rizzo's protecting Judge. So now Rizzo is all of a sudden getting the chance to hit – 35 home runs or something like that. If he can stay healthy, he's got the hand-eye coordination. When he makes contact, he's still going to drive the shit out of the ball. Like He's a monster of a man. It's not like this guy at whatever weight it is that he is now can't hit the ball 500 feet. Just maybe not 700 feet. But if it keeps him on the field, because he said, I want to go back to being a baseball player. Um, If he can get two days a week in the field, where it makes sense. Like we know he plays better when he's being a baseball player, not just a DH statistically it's proven itself out. So, you know, I'm excited. He at least did something, you know, he made some kind of change that isn't just like, Oh, I bench pressed the model. Didn't you see that on Instagram? It, it does seem like he made an effort. And this is a weird spot for Stan. Cause this is really the first year that he's been here that we're not asking him to be like the main one, two punch with judge, right? Like Soto has replaced him as that Robin to judge as Batman or the Batman or Robin, however you want to order it. To me, the expectations are so low. This is a guy that really over the last 200 games has hit 200 with a 300 OBP still has a little bit of power. 
again, we don't need him to be a force. To me, it's almost like whatever we get as a bonus. If he does come back and shut people like me up and hit 260 with 38 homers and is a, is a monster, I'll love it. But honestly, I would sign up for 225 batting average with like 28 bombs. I would sign for that right now, which would be 30 points higher than he hit last season. So it sounds good crazy on, when I say that, but a good on base percentage, like get on base in the eighth inning, ninth inning of a close game. Let someone else run for him. You know, just be a veteran presence at the plate. Have a good eye and don't go for that slider down and away. It's coming with two strikes. Just, we all know it's coming. I, I'm telling you right now that on March 15th, that's what they're going to throw you with Giancarlo. Like it's coming. Um, and if he can do that and show that discipline while, you know, staying available, I think it's going to be huge because, you know, we'll, we'll talk about all the like lineup options on another episode. But when you start thinking about it, like they've said they want DJ batting leadoff, right? Yep. We, I think Yankee fans want to see Volpe make the jump to be able to do it, which then probably just puts DJ down like far down in the order, which is phenomenal if he's playing well. But so you've got DJ Soto. Judge, maybe Rizzo. Then do you go Stanton? Do you do do you go Glaber? Glaber's, you know, how far down the lineup are you going to put Glaber? I think it's going to be an interesting lineup that they have to construct. There's going to be personalities to manage, but at a certain point, I mean, Brian Cashman said it in the offseason. Can't really rely that he's going to be there all the time, and the team's clearly moved on from that, and it's up to him to prove himself to get the playing time. No, you're right. And they're probably going to start him at five, right? They're probably going to go DJ Soto, Judge, Rizzo, Stan. But let's say they start him in the five hole and he's hitting, you know, it's May 15th and he's hitting 195. I mean, do you think they, like how long do you think they're just going to be blindly loyal because his last name is Stanton no. and he has an MVP? So you think they would bump him down? I think they would bump him down because like then after, if if they go left, right, left, right, then you've got Verdugo and then you've got Glaber. So Glaber's batting seventh and, you know, what did he hit last year? Last year, Glaber hit like a 260 three, guy, right? 273. So he hit 273 with 25 home runs. And I don't think you keep that in the seven hole if your five hole has, you know, four home runs, can't run at all, and, you know, is batting, you know, 195, like you said. Yeah, I mean, last year it felt like I think they left him in the cleanup pretty much the whole year just because they had they didn't have many guys behind him. Again, it was Bowers, Calhoun and, and guys like that. But if he's again, if he's hitting 195 and this team is in contention, you can't just keep batting in there. The thing that worries me about Stan is it looks like he just can't catch up to 95 plus anymore. I don't think that's something that gets better or gets easier as you get older. Again, I'd love for him to prove me wrong and I'll be the hater that he can call out. Like, I have no problem with that. I would love to be wrong. I don't see him getting better at hitting those 97, 98 mile an hour fastballs that it seems like everybody's throwing these days. I mean, maybe being leaner, he, he can, maybe okay. he's focused on, I mean, we haven't seen, we, we see him being leaner. We don't know what that means yet or how he got there. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Cause he's a guy that like, you get the occasional, you get the clips of judging the batting cage in the off season. You get the clips of like it's on Glaber's own Instagram of him in the cage. I have no idea what Stanton does all offseason. I think he's a big international traveler. Like you see him in Peru and Italy. Yeah, not a batting cage. Not a batting cage. The pyramids or whatever. <laughs> they they um, have a batting cage in the pyramids. <laughs> you could like use that as a target, like the top of the top of the pyramid. <laughs> King Tut was buried with a batting cage. Noted baseball guy. <laughs> Three guys that really need to bounce back are obviously DJ Rizzo and Giancarlo, who we just talked about of those three, who are you most confident in like having a big year? Rizzo. I feel good about Rizzo. Uh, just because I think with him playing first base, he adds so much. It was like, we got spoiled with all the taxiers of defense. And then when you have that Luke, those that Luke Voigt time or, you know, Chris Carter, like all, all these guys who played first base for us, I feel confident in that. Cause also like, his slump was very much tied to uh, a specific head injury. So as long as he's through that, which it sounds like he is, he should be good. Um, you know, DJ at times has looked overmatched and it's uh, the toe. And it's like, how much is a toe impacting your whole body? So it'll be interesting to see how he gets started because I think we're going to know early whether or not we have anything with DJ or not. And Stanton, you know, I've got no faith that anything's going to happen, but I'm going to be hopeful. 
Exactly. Now I'm, I'm with you on Stan. And DJ has that same issue with the fastballs over 95 miles an hour. Seemed like he really just couldn't catch up. And they were making a big deal about how he had a great August and September. But like to me, that was garbage time at that point. You know, when they were fighting to stay in it in June and July, he was nowhere to be found. I would love to see him bounce back and have a big year. But I don't love the idea of Boone talking about him as the leadoff hitter. I don't want a slow footed 35 year old station to station guy that doesn't walk a ton as my leadoff hitter. I just don't. I don't think that there's anyone else just yet who, I mean like Verdugo maybe. Right. Um, and then you bat judge second and, and flip him in Soto. I think that could be an option. I do like, you know, listen, it's February still. Uh, I like the idea of publicly letting DJ know you have faith in him. Um, and then he's going to go out there and, and you're going to see what you have. But I think there is a short leash on it. Oh, there's, there's definitely going to be. Um, and again, you got, you hope that Volpe can just seize that, right? Can, can Volpe hit 245? Can he go from 207 to 245? Again, like I'm, I'm, it sounds facetious because I'm giving these low batting averages, but it's like guys like Volpe and Stanton, if you know, if you hit 200 in 2023, then you hit 230, still a 30 point increase. It's a lot of extra hits. It is. And especially with his speed. So Soto reported a day early. Um, that was exciting. He said it's going to be electric. He also said his favorite Yankee growing up was Robinson Cano. That right? makes sense. <laughs> Robinson Get Cano. the folding chair out. Yeah, right. Soto's going to be in right field sitting in a folding chair. <laughs> but no, he'll probably have, like Cano, he'll have a big uh, walk year. Yeah, no, I mean, I you know, we've talked about you know, the atmosphere around Yankee Stadium, uh, you know, he's obviously he's Dominican. Dominican culture in New York is huge. Um, I always viewed it as like a selling point to getting people to New York. Like When Cano signed with Seattle, I, I was with Barcelona. I wrote a blog that was like, what? He's like the third Dominican person in Seattle. Like what? The food sucks. Like, what are you going to do? I think there's an opportunity for the city to win him over um, and for him to just be like, you know, more comfortable um, with his surroundings, I think that um, anybody who says, like, you know, oh, I grew up wanting to play baseball and I didn't think about the Yankees is lying. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Biggest similarity to Cano is he played in 162 games last season. Like, channel that. I don't need you sprinting to first every time. If you can post 160, 158 times, whatever it is, that that is perfect for me. And I want him to push back at Boone. Like, you know, when it's week three and they played 14 games and Boone says, I'm giving you a day, I want Soto to be like, no, it's my walk year. I'm healthy and I'm playing and like change that culture a little bit and get away from the the planned off days. I, I wonder if he could maybe change that culture because Judge talked about it, too, how you need guys who want to grind through 162. I mean, I think that. This is, you know, we said maybe it was last year, but with I think it's Boone has one year left after this contract after this year. The, t the club has an option, He, but this is his last year under contract. The Yankees could pick up an option for 25 if they want to. So fuck it. Balls to the wall. You got you got a young stud out there. You play him every goddamn day, um, especially if like that's what he's used to. He's 25 years old. He's going to be 26 You know, as you get into the playoffs. The guy's already played almost 800 career games. Run him out there every day. No, hundred percent. And I did notice, I don't know about you. I did notice a little bit more of a sense of urgency coming out of camp. They weren't talking about, Oh, the process and we'll see where the chips fall. And day by day, they're like, we're hell bent on being a champion. We don't want to go back to last year. It, it seems like they're a little bit more locked in. And like, what's the quote? Like, you're, you're a big 96 guy. Was it Mariano Duncan? We play today. We win today. Like, let's get yeah. back to that. Just do whatever the fuck you can to win that game, whether it's a Thursday against the Guardians, it's Saturday against the Red Sox, whatever, instead of being like, oh, let's give them a rest day three weeks out because that's what the algorithm says. Like, just get back to winning the day, man. There's no punt day if Soto's in the lineup. Exactly. There's not him, him and I mean, him and judge back to back. Like, it's a weird comp, but I keep thinking about the 2004 Red Sox because they had a lot of holes as a team, but they won the World Series because Ortiz and Manny were on fire back to back. And you just couldn't get you just couldn't get through that part of the order like they weren't the best fielding team. They weren't the most athletic. They didn't have the best bullpen, but they just had those two 
dominating and like that can mask a lot of other issues. I mean, Soto's led the league in walks three times. He's led the league in on base percentage twice. Um, and with judge around behind him, like, you know, it's a terror dome to, to get into that lineup when you get into the middle of it, as long as these guys stay healthy. And I don't really think it matters like who hits second or who hits third, Wh- whatever the prep, whatever they feel more comfortable is, is my vote. Like, I don't remember, I think Ortiz hit in front of Manny, but I, I don't really remember what the exact order is. When you have two guys like that, it doesn't really matter. And I think they'll experiment. Last and it's not Orlando close. Cabrera behind them. Right, right. <laughs> it's Rizzo. Like, you have, it's Glaber. Yeah, no, it's a lot better. You need, I, And I do like the idea of having Glaber behind them because he makes contact. Yeah. Um, just can't be stand. So last topic before we get to questions. There's a lot of Blake Snell buzz. There was buzz that we made an offer, you know, a month ago for 150 million. Now there's some buzz per Mark Feinstein that we just made another offer. I haven't really heard of any other teams that are in on him. He's a Boris guy. Who knows when he's going to sign? Do you think this is actually realistic, or do you think this is just kind of fluff? I want to believe it's realistic. Um, I mean, he just won the Cy Young, so you're not going to get like a prove it deal. Like we always, like we've wanted these prove it guys, yeah. which like Soto's kind of a prove it guy, right? Or Verdugo's kind of a prove it guy because they're in, we're getting them in their walk year. Um, you know, it, it's because I think Bellinger is Boris too, right? Ellinger, yep, is also Boris. Boris guys are always sitting out at the beginning of the season. Stephen Drew, remember forever ago? Yeah, wow. There's that you know, one. Boris has come out and said, you know, because there are some other sports have like you have to sign by a certain day. And he said that is terrible for the players. We shouldn't have that because it puts like a, a fake deadline on them. But at a certain point, as teams are like coming together and shaping up and just getting ready to go in with like, Hey, this is going to be our, um, you know, this is going to be our rotation. This is going to be our roster. These guys can't feel great. Uh, you know, they want to get out there. They want to be playing. They want to be, they're going to miss the whole time of wearing shorts and playing catch. They're going to, by the time they get there, you're going to have to wear pants. That's not fun. Um, so I'd like to see it. I'd like to see, you know, if we got Snell on a short deal, I'd love him to shave that stupid facial hair so he doesn't look like a street magician anymore. Um, and, you know, I know we, we've talked about his value in the lineup, but you want to free up some money, trade Glaber Torres, let one of the young guys play second base, spend half of, you know, spend his salary to go get a half of a Blake Snell f- for a year. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I mean, for an all-in year, I'd rather have them both. But if it, if those were my two options, I would definitely do that. Now, my heart loves this. My heart wants him. My head says that when the Yankees make a big move, they do it early. CC they signed in November. Cole, they signed first week of December. Soto, right? First week of the winter meetings or whatever, December. Very rarely do the Yankees come in in February or March and and make a big move. A-Rod is the only one that I could really think of. I was I was thinking about this today. And like we try to convince ourselves of this with Harper like, "Oh, they're you know, they're waiting in the weeds and they, you know, maybe his asking price will come down." Generally, that's just not how it works, but I mean, with all that being said, I would I would be really really excited if you could pair him with Cole. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to be shocked. You know, if all of a sudden you've got a rotation where you know, Nestor's your number 5, Strowman's at four, Rodon's at three, Snell two, Cole one. I mean, that's a dominating, you know, potentially very dominating rotation. Now we've gone out there and we've gotten Kevin Brown and Randy Johnson. Like we've seen this rotation built before. So it's always, you know, the injury bugs always going to be a question. But if you go out and you get Juan Soto coming off of just any season he's ever had and then the reigning Cy Young winner. I mean, that's a huge offseason. So it'll be interesting to see, um, like, who ends up making making the move. I never feel confident anyway when it gets to, like, this late in the process. Yeah. I feel like whoever it is, like, kind of, it's either out of desperation, maybe someone's got to get injured, uh, and we're just, we're not the team that just gets to, like, sneak in and grab a guy. Generally not. Generally, we we get the guys early, like I said. But, again, it'd be, it'd be really sick. He did. It's weird. He won the Cy Young. He also led the league in walks. Like, I do think if we got him, it would be kind of frustrating at times, like watching him walk guys and 
the slow games and the long counts, but clearly he would improve the rotation. And again, we traded away a lot of our rotation depth in the Soto trade. I mean, last year, spring training, they lost 60% of the rotation to injuries. Like they're going to need more arms. I, I still do think they need another starter. I don't know if they'll get a guy of his magnitude, but the, the five or six guys they have right now are not going to cut it through 162. No, not at all. And, you know, I'm glad we don't have a Domingo Herman anymore. Is he, st- he's still unsigned, right? Yeah, I don't think he's signed. Uh, and I'm also like, I wish him luck in Queens, but like, I'm happy to be over the Sevy experiment. Oh, uh, dude, a hundred percent. I'm glad we're not going in there. Oh, maybe he could be a number two. Like <laughs> again, he was so terrible. He was like the worst starter in, in baseball last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just totally unreliable. And like, We saw, like, bursts of greatness that just never panned out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Did not. Let's get to um some questions. So we have a new, we have a new intern. Now, my only problem with our new intern, love everything about him, responsive, hustles, but he's got the same name as you. Right. Well, it's like a, now ugh, it's I, frustrating. It is an issue. <laughs> it is a thing. I but I do JJ, so it works. Okay. All right. So, so I, mean, I was going to call you Jack and him intern Jack. I could go back to calling you, you call JJ and him one. Jack. I'm just going to call him intern Jack anyway. Yeah. I, I like that. I like I intern like Jack. Podcasts, podcasts need that. You need to have a guy who you say intern in front of. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, uh, it makes it more fun. Yeah. But if you've been following at George's Box Pod on Twitter, Jack's been doing a ton of tweeting. Um, Jack, I don't know how much you want to divulge about yourself, but if you'd like to introduce yourself to the listeners, go nuts. Yeah, so as Nick said, my name is Jack, but you can call me Intern Jack. And I've been I've been a Yankee fan my entire life. I would say my first real season of really watching every day was 2017. So it was a fun season to start. And since then, yeah, I've just been, you know, a diehard and been running the Twitter. It's been a lot of fun and excited to get going with the season. Hell you're, yeah. You're That's 18 wild. years old and you turn 19 this year. 19. So I'm 19 turning 20 in July. Okay. I turned 39 two days ago. I'm almost drinking age older than you. (laughs) That is crazy. It's wild. So like you didn't really watch Derek Jeter. Like that's wild to me. No, I have one memory of Jeter. Like when I was like five going to a game in person, that was it. But my like, yeah, I never, never really watched Jeter. Never really watched Mariano. That's nice. Like, you got to get this kid a ring. Yeah, yeah seriously. No. For this generation, that's that's crazy. That is that is mind blowing. What is the uh, so what is our first question today? We got any good? So good mailbag? yeah, we got we got a lot of questions. If you guys want to leave questions for future episodes, just at George's Box Pod on Twitter. But the first question comes from Rudy Julia NYY on Twitter slash X. How many games does DJ play at third this season? Also, who plays there if he isn't? Is it Peraza? Is it Cabrera? I don't love the depth slash, slash options at third base. I you love Peraza's depth. You go, Jack. No, no, you go first. All right. I love Peraza as the depth. How many games will DJ play at third? I think he'll play about 110 total with like 90 of them at third base. And I think I think Peraza is going to get like 50 or so games at third. I actually, I agree with that. I think that, you know, when... When Rizzo needs a day off, which like he's an older player, he's gonna need some days off. DJ hops over to to first base. Um, we don't really have a first baseman of the future on this uh, on this roster. I do think like Peraza and Cabrera are probably gonna need a first baseman's mitt, just uh, like kind of all hands on deck. But yeah, I, I like the idea of seeing Peraza get some significant playing time. Like I'd love DJ to come back and be the guy that you know we sign an extension, but. I mean, all signs point to that's not going to happen. Um, that's also why wanting to see Peraza play is why I've been more open to uh, letting making a move with Glaber. Because like at a certain point, you got to see what you have with these guys. It's it's kind of always the problem we have is 
these prospects and then we don't play them and then they don't pan out and nobody wants them. Yeah. <laughs> Cashman waits till the stock is at the lowest and then he cuts them. Yeah. Not a winning strategy. What's the, what's the next question? Next one we got from at Ryan major. Oh seven. If you had to choose between DJ Stanton or Rodon to have a bounce back year, who would you take? Ryan's my boy and Rodon hundred percent is my answer. Um, they're not going anywhere. If he pitches like last year, if he pitches like a strong number two, they could win the world series. Yeah. It's gotta be Rodon just also because that's the thinnest area. Like the drop from Rodon to whoever would slide into that rotation is dramatically worse than the drop from Stanton to Verdugo Stanton to, to Soto, which yeah. is not a drop at all. Or even like DJ to Peraza. I think that's one thing that like every Yankee fan can almost agree on is that like Rodon is arguably the most important, important guy this year. Like, I, it, everybody seems very much in unison on that from what I've seen. Yeah, because like we don't really know what we have. He missed so much time. Then he came back and he's having bad starts and his wife's tweeting. And like we just need to see like what he actually is. Like what did we buy? Yeah, <laughs> it's a great. It's a great play. We literally have no idea. Uh, next. Next up, and this is, this is a <laughs> long one, so I'll split this one up. We have yeah. from at DDDust102. Overall vibe check. When to worry about the Dodgers. Do we need another starter? Will Soto go to the Mets after this season? I would say uh, to this guy, just, you know, don't, don't get too far. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. Playing the Dodgers in the World Series would be a great problem to have. The plus side, obviously, of Otani and Yamamoto going there is we only play them once. Uh, they're in the National League. We're really not competing with them. I'm not worried about Soto re-signing with the Mets. I think they're going to give all of their money uh, to Alonzo, and I think Soto's going to love it here. Um, vibe check-wise, I'm feeling great. I can't wait to watch Soto and Judge hit back-to-back. Yeah, I'm excited for the season again. You know, I'm I'm skeptically optimistic as happens when you're in an abusive relationship. Um, <laughs> but, you know, worrying about the Dodgers, like Nick said, is just so far down. The line. Like, I'd love to have to worry about the Dodgers, but I'm certainly not. I'm not even worried about the Red Sox in February. Like, I'm only worried about, like, one of our guys, like, stepping on a ball on the morning track. <laughs> I'm worried about that. Last week of spring training, like, oh, by the way, someone's having a bacchiotomy or whatever, you know, <laughs> some kind of procedure done. Um, and like as far as Soto for the offseason, you know, I'm going to focus on this year, like everyone's saying to. I'm going to hope that like if we go out and we get deep and Soto is, is having a great season and he's young and we're showing that like the vibes are good with the team. I think we will put our best foot forward to go out there and get him. But, like, there's also the possibility that, like, things fall apart and then it's like, well, we've got the Cole contract, the Rodon contract, the Judge contract. Do you add another contract to that if somehow we miss the playoffs due to, like, injuries? Again? Oh, God. If they miss the, dude, if they miss the playoffs, is I can't even – my mind can't even go there. Like, that's a crazy place to go mentally. Yeah, it would be sad. All right, let's take two more. Okay, so we'll do the the second part of DD Dust's question. Can Bopey step up? Is Boone getting extended to formality? And Joe Girardi in the booths? What are your thoughts on that? This kid came with a lot of questions. I'll take Volpe. Like I think yeah. that's that's the thing, man. That that can Volpe hit two fifty, steal thirty bases, and actually be a force instead of instead of swinging for the fences on every on every swing. I actually don't. I have no idea, Jack. What's your what do you think of that one? The Volpe one. I think Volpe had to swing for the fences last year because it was such a shit show of a lineup that like it takes pressure off of him. Um, and if you know they can spend time focusing on you know bat to ball contact and not just how hard you hit it, as like we heard coming out of the minor leagues last year, like that was all they focused on. If he could just focus on bat to ball using his speed to get on base and uh, like being a threat there, he'd have a major impact with this team. Um, Obviously, like he went out and played really well last year, not in all the ways that we want him to, but he got to the major leagues when he wasn't supposed to. He's an undersized guy. So I have faith in him to be able to like go out there and, and make those adjustments. Um, and Girardi in the booth, I just like I think it's funny. Um, it's kind of it's kind of weird 
be like, oh, the guy whose job I took is like literally right up there. Um, <laughs> because like, you know, Girardi, like he didn't work in Philly, but like he was a good manager here. He was a good manager in Miami and, and didn't have a job. It's weird that he's not getting more opportunities or maybe he is. And it's just like, you know, he doesn't want to go to the places where the jobs are or like he's kind of a military type guy. And that doesn't work with like the new like model of, of working, you know, working with players. It's weird. When we got rid of him, I was like really happy to get rid of him. And now there's definitely times where it's like, oh, we could use some of that fire. You always want what you can't have. Yeah. All right. Last one. Last question we have from Zacharia Crack one with the new additions. Do you guys see the Yankees as the favorite in the American League East? I do. I think the Orioles are going to come back down to earth. Um, they were shitting rainbows last year. They were completely healthy all year that I saw one of their good starters. Bradish already went down. The Rays are missing a million guys. Um, they've like Wander Franco's and going to jail. A bunch of their starters got Tommy John. Uh, the Red Sox suck, and I think the Blue Jays are overrated. So, yeah, I think Vegas is right. I think we should be the favorites. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, we expected the Orioles to come back down to earth last year. I think now there's like the pressure there. When you do it the first time, it's kind of like dumb luck. You got nothing to lose. But like there are expectations and these guys have not had expectations. A lot of them have never had expectations in their career. So <laughs> to to actually have expectations while like changing ownership. Um, and yeah, they went out and like they tried to make some good moves. They've got you know, good young guys coming up. Cal Ripken's going to be one of the owners. Like, I think they have an exciting future, but I think with the roster that we've put together and the ability to still be able to, to add to that roster, um, I, I feel confident in us. I mean, the Rays are always going to be the race. Like, I don't know who's on the race. Probably, you know, at least 90 wins. Probably 90. Oh, they'll make wins. the playoffs, but I think yeah. we're better. And the Blue Jays, I just think they're at like the that window that we thought they had is closing. They were already talking about extensions, who they're going to have to trade. They do have IKF. So that's always going to be a concern, you know, cause obviously <laughs> he knows the ballpark. Um, he's a power threat and he could be anywhere on the field. And that's my guy. It's funny though. The Orioles thing, like it's almost like we felt this. I feel like in 2018, like 2017, we had this really fun run. There were no expectations. The world was our oyster. And then in 2018, they really felt that pressure. And then obviously getting eliminated by Boston in the DS that year. Like you said, Orioles have never gone through that before and they're going to, but you're right. The Rays will find a way to win 90 games despite like their entire rotation at Tommy John last year. And they'll, they'll still find a way. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we got, right? Yeah, man. Good, good questions today. Yeah, good questions. We're happy to have intern Jack here with us. Um, you could follow Nick on Twitter at nkirbyNYY. You could follow me at JJ from the Bronx. You follow the show at George's Box Pod. Jack, I, intern Jack, I don't remember your uh, Twitter handle. What's your personal Twitter handle? You can follow me at, at Jack Feldman222. Are you also like Bronx Bombers beat or something like that, too? No, but that guy keeps retweeting everything we're posting. So, like immediately, okay, nice. Uh, yeah, shout out I, to that. Guy. I assumed it was you because it's like a <laughs> not me, not me. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So keep an eye out every week. We'll be asking for questions. Most of the time, we're going to record on Mondays. Occasionally, we'll shift it around. Sometimes early, sometimes late. We'll try to communicate uh, because we're just out here having a silly goose time. Um, and you know, we hope to see you, Nick. You're doing opening day, right? A hundred percent. Next question. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. It's you said you had some wrestling thing. It's not some wrestling thing. It's WrestleMania. <laughs> dude, I, I, dude I, I have no idea. You were explaining this to me. I was like, I have no idea what any of this is. Like, It's WrestleMania weekend in Philly. So on Thursday, I'm going to a live podcast at 830 while I also have tickets to another event at 8. So I'm doing the podcast, going to this other event at 8. Friday's opening day. I thought Thursday was opening day. So, like, Thursday would make it easier. Also, on the Wednesday, I'm supposed to have a colonoscopy. Really just throws everything. Like, makes it, a, makes it a fun. I'll be coming in looking slim. Um, <laughs> and so I've got those. Then maybe I go up to Yankee Stadium and back to go to SmackDown at 8 o'clock in Philly. The Hall of Fame at 10 o'clock at night in Philly. I have a 1 o'clock pay-per-view on Saturday. 5 o'clock WrestleMania night 1 on Sunday. 5 o'clock WrestleMania Night 2 on Sunday, what? Raw on Monday night. 
And so what, what did you tell Emily? Like, she's just like, you're like, I'm out for the weekend. Like, I got a wrestling bender. Listen, I'm pretty much not here. I'm going to sleep here at times. And, ah. and also, I'm light about 2500 bucks. So just, you know. <laughs> you, you can go to opening day and get back to Philly by 8 o'clock, like, pretty easily. Yeah, and I'm doing it like I'm not drinking right now. I'm on a not drinking, not smoking thing. So it makes it a lot easier because I won't feel like I'm missing out on the drinking if I haven't drank in months. Right, dude. You got it all figured out. Well, I hope to see you. I hope to see you in the building or in the ballpark or whatever. Yeah, we'll Friday see. afternoon. Can't beat that. I like opening down on a Friday. It's pretty cool. It is nice. It is nice. I'll probably be there. I mean, we know I'm probably going to be there. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, we'll either see you at opening day or we'll see you at the parade. <laughs> 